0: On this episode of the Calgary Stampeder podcast, we will chat about the Stamps Owen to start, the injury to starting quarterback Bo Levi Mitchell, who will be his replacement, Michael O'Connor or Jake Mayer, and we'll preview the Stamps and Alouettes Friday night, August 20th at 7.30. Welcome back to the Calgary Stampeders podcast. I'm Dave McIver here with my co-host Jock Wilson. So happy to be back talking Stampeders football with you for another year. So great to have our sponsor, Valentine Volvo and Volvo Cars Royal Oak, back with us for another year as the Calgary Stampeders podcast is brought to you by Valentine Volvo and Volvo Cars Royal Oak. If you haven't heard us before, we're here to chat everything Stamps. We'll be breaking down the games, chatting with Stamps players, current and former and basically, just giving you everything Calgary Stampeders throughout the course of the season. But before we get into it today, let me reintroduce my co-host, the host of sports talk, the host of the pre-game and post-game show, and the fifth quarter call-in show here on Global News Radio 770 CHQR, Jock Wilson. How are you, my friend? I'm very well, Mister McIver. I think more importantly, we should
1: introduce our listeners to you. Now you're <laughs> you're a good Calgary boy. Are you? Are, did did you play football?
0: I did five did years you? five years with the uh, with the Southwest Bulldogs. Good I think that's what they're called now. Uh, three years of Peewee, two years of Bantam, and then uh, yeah, to make the decision between uh, all my sports and uh, chose hockey okay. incorrectly.
1: Now, what position did Dave
0: McIver play with the Bulldogs? Well, when I was the right size in Peewee, I could play middle <laughs> linebacker. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you're not the
1: right size anymore. Uh, no.
0: And then as soon as I got into Bantam, I wasn't the right size. <laughs> Everybody grew. You didn't exactly. So I became a, <laughs> a, a rush <laughs> defensive end, and the only reason that was is because I could get under the offensive lineman. So uh, that's my football experience. And, uh, of course, I'm on the sidelines this year for the broadcast team. So that's a ton of fun. But, yeah, born in Calgary, uh, 33 years old. Uh, you know, been working here for about six, seven years. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and a sports guy, a sports fan, and obviously a hockey player, a football player. And, you know,
0: nice that uh, you
1: you come to the city. And, you know, I'm sure you followed the Stampeders. Were you a Stampeter fan young as, as a youngster?
0: I still remember my first game. Four, oh, yeah. years, oh, yeah. four years old against the Toronto Argonauts. Come on. Yeah. Uh, old uh, Spike McIver. My dad took me down. And his old uh, Molson seats that he used to have—that uh, he when he worked for Molson—and yeah, we used to uh, we used to enjoy it quite a bit.
1: Nice to have a dad that worked in the beer business. Yeah. Not not as a four-year-old because you didn't get to uh, reap the benefits of the beer, obviously, as a four-year-old. But yeah, some of the perks—not too bad.
0: Yeah, when he got out, when I was seventeen, that was a little disappointing, Jock. I won't <laughs> I won't lie to you. He
1: did it just because
0: of you. Yeah, I'm not I'm not surprised either. Uh, Jock, let's dive right into it here. 0-2 start yeah. for the Calgary Stampede or something we haven't seen in quite a while. Uh, Um, in this city just your overall thoughts uh, where the Stampeders are through the first two games of the season I'm concerned
1: I'm very concerned Um, We knew this was going to be a young football team. We knew this team was going to have to come together, and it's only a 14-game season, and you start at 0-2, and the mistakes that this team has made, you know, mental mistakes, missed assignments, too many penalties, obviously the injury to Bull Levi Mitchell that we're going to get into a little bit later on. Uh, You've got a situation where the Calgary Stampeders are in unfamiliar territory. This team has never Started 0-2 under this head coach, Dave Dickinson. This team never started 0-2 under Bo Levi-Mitchell. Uh, we know there's a reason for that now. But yeah, you look at the schedule and you have the Montreal Alouettes coming in. I think a very, very good team. A team that will compete for first place in the Eastern Division. And then you got to go on the road your first road game against the defending Grey Cup champion Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They are probably the class of the Western Division can you imagine if this team is 0-4 to start the season? Yes, you've got the Labor Day weekend after that, you know, back-to-back against Edmonton, the New Elks, and I don't think Edmonton is a very good team. But right now, I don't think you can seriously say with a straight face the Stampeders are a very good team.
0: I'm 100%. I'll go back to what you said about uh, the, mis- the mistakes, the penalties. Yep totaled it up for us 17 penalties for 178 yards over two games just not good enough from a team that we normally see as a very disciplined team in the cfl and then you look to that schedule where they have the montreal alouettes the winnipeg blue bombers you know you got to basically win you know eight of those last 10 games if you lose the next two so you don't want to dig yourself any bigger of a hole, even though you have Edmonton twice and Saskatchewan uh, back-to-back as well. So like you say, Jock, this hole is, uh, it, it can't get any bigger. Um, you know, maybe they do lose one out of the next two, but they have to at least get one out of the next two.
1: You know, everybody's going to say it's early. And and yes, it is early. You're only two games into a 14-game season. But because it's only a 14-game season, you know, I, I've already started thinking, how many games are you going to have to win to make the playoffs? And, and I'm thinking you got to be at least 500, so that's seven. And I don't think that will guarantee you a playoff spot in in the Western Division. So are you going to have to win eight games to make the playoffs? I, I think that's probably more realistic. So if you start 0-4, you can do the math. You're you're behind the eight ball.
0: You got to win eight of the last ten. Yeah, and you know an zero fourteen winning eight of the last ten. I'd like to see when that happens. So uh, it has been a tough start for the Calgary Stampeders. It is early, no preseason as well. So maybe mm-hmm. uh, those first two games help get some. Kinks yeah, but that's out, an but, excuse. Every team is in that same boat, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, but I I would argue that some teams, you know, they're returning a lot more of a familiar roster. than than the Calgary Stampeders are. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. That's all you can do at this point. Uh, What we have seen, Jock, was an injury to the best player on the Calgary Stampeders and Bo Levi Mitchell. A broken fibula, six games on the injured list. I know could come off early. We've we've seen that happen in the past. But, uh, you know, what do you think of the injury? And what do you think about, you know, maybe what's coming up as a backup quarterback? We don't know who that's going to be yet uh, on Friday night. The way that Bo Levi Mitchell explained the injury, I'll be surprised. I'll be stunned
1: if he comes off the six-game injured list a, a little bit early. I, I, I think you've got to prepare yourself that he is probably going to miss six games. You know, I, I've had a hairline fracture. You know, I've, I've I've, broken my leg a couple of times from that standpoint. I wasn't a professional athlete, but I, I do think it's very, very difficult to play at that level if you have a hairline fracture, you know, on your fibula. So... I think this team has to prepare themselves that he is going to be gone for six games. And and realistically, as we've already talked about, if this team goes... 0-2 in their next two games and they're 0-4, you know, you don't want to rush back the quarterback because I think moving forward, Bull Levi Mitchell is still going to be your best option. He is still going to be the guy that hopefully can get this team back to where this organization wants to be. This is a blow. This is a big-time blow for the Calgary Stampeder organization. Wasn't in the plan, wasn't in the cards when Dave Dickinson was, was doing his planning for the season or when John Huffnagel was doing their planning for the season. You know, they had to say goodbye to some very, very good players like... Like the Eric Rogers, like, you know, the Juwan Breskisens. You can go down the list. But the fact of the matter is they had faith in the winningest quarterback in CFL history. They had faith in a guy when he last played a full 18-game season, was the most valuable player in the Canadian Football League. He was the Grey Cup MVP in 2018. So this this throws everything into a little bit of chaos for the organization. And, and I'm like every other Calgary Stampeder fan out there. I like the story of Michael O'Connor. I, I think it's great what he did at the UBC Thunderbirds, and you know, as as a Canadian quarterback, knows the Canadian game. I love his size; at six foot five. I know nothing about Jake Meyer, but I know Dave Dickinson likes Jake Meyer. I, I, I always say Meyer, but it's actually Mare if you look at the uh, the pronunciation. So I apologize, Jake. Uh, we'll see. We we will see. And the one thing Dave Dickinson has said is he said he's not going to go into a rotation basis. It's not going to be one set, set of downs for Michael and one set of you know downs for 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 Jake. But but now we get the the depth chart, and I'm I'm shaking my head because I'm I'm convinced that Michael O'Connor is going to be the starting quarterback, and yet on the depth chart you got Jake as your starting quarterback. And so, damn, I'm confused. I'm confused, Dave. And if I'm confused, I'm sure Stampeder fans are confused.
0: I'm confused. Uh, just for those who uh, didn't catch our more morning show together jock has to eat a hat if michael o'connor does not start uh, can Friday. you make it a clean hat at least uh, well we'll think about it um but yeah I, i'm super confused by the depth chart as well we've talked uh, all week about just how raw of a rookie uh, jake mayer is and you'd think that you know they'd go with the canadian quarterback he knows the yeah. canadian game and look this is before the game this is before the game starts the depth chart could easily change sure. it what i don't understand
1: is you've had Michael O'Connor as your backup quarterback in two games. Jake wasn't even on the roster. And now all of a sudden, you're going to just bump Jake up to number one ahead of Michael O'Connor? That, to me, makes no no sense. Now, neither of these quarterbacks have a lot of experience. You know, we know Jake has zero CFL experience. Neither of these quarterbacks have started a CFL game. That is concerning, but at least Michael has dressed for nine games. He got into two games with the Toronto Argonauts in 2019, so he's got more experience. I I just don't understand the rationale or the thinking if you go with Jake as your starting quarterback tomorrow night. But I'll say this. I've never coached a game in the Canadian Football League. I've never played a game in the Canadian Football League. Dave Dickinson knows a hell of a lot more than I do. So uh, in Huff, we trust. In Dicky we trust. But boy, I'm confused.
0: Well, and it's, Have I mentioned I'm confused? Uh, you are confused. I mean, we're all confused, Jock. Uh, I look at it because, you know, the start of the week, you know, Bo was out there. We didn't get to see the first practice. It was indoors because of the smoke. It was canceled outside. So then the second day... You know, Michael O'Connor got the majority of the snaps, uh, snaps. but then yeah. on Wednesday it was sounded like they were pretty even. So is, but they also said they know who's going to start when we talk to him on Monday. Right. So right. they know we don't know. Our confusion will be <sighs> well alleviated. I hope. At, hey, at this, let's let's
1: be honest you know Rick Campbell has been raked over the coals in this league for the last 2 weeks by the media saying you're deceiving we've got the single game betting you know shame on the BC Lions because you know is Nathan Rourke going to be your starter is Michael O'Reilly going to be your starter and it just it just seems to be the gamesmanship I I thought we were above and beyond that and and I'm maybe it's gamesmanship we're going to find out but uh, it's it's it it is it is mind-boggling. It is a little bit. Con- oh, did I mention I'm confused? Yeah, <laughs> I did. Uh, so we'll see how this plays out. But uh, again. I hope your hat is tasty. Can I at least cook it first?
0: Yeah, you can throw a little barbecue sauce on that (laughs) as well. You know what? I'll actually let you fill up the hat with some food so it's easier to come down. (laughs) Um, Moving on, you know, we've talked, ball. we've talked uh, who's going to be the quarterback. Uh, Let's talk about the opposition, Jock, because uh, this is a team in Montreal that uh, really started to come on at the end of the 2019 season and now look like a team that plays with swagger, a team that has a quarterback who can move, and a team that has a very, very good defensive line. So what do you see the Owls coming in here on Friday night and and bringing to the Stampeders? I watched the L's last week
1: against the Edmonton Elk, and, you know, they're a good football club. As I said, I think this is a team that's going to be challenging for first place in the Eastern Conference. Love their coaching staff. I think Ahari Jones is is fantastic. Vernon Adams Jr., you know, he can not only scramble to save plays, he can make things happen with his arm as well. So, no, I I don't think the Calgary Stampeders are going to take anything for granted against this team. So, the spotlight for me will be the Calgary Stampeders defense, because defensively, I think the first two seasons or at least the first two games, the stamps have been, you know, pretty good. And, you know, we'll see if that defensive line can start getting some pressure on the quarterback because, you know, they didn't really in the first two games. You know, I, I think the 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 linebacking core is getting better as the season goes along. So, you know, Jameer Thurman, he is a stud. Darnell Sankey, I think he is really starting to develop, you know, former NFL player, uh, which is good. Losing Jamar Wall certainly hurt the Calgary Stampeders. And even though I think uh, Dozier is is a good player, he's certainly not in the, the caliber of of Jamar Wall, although that's more of a, you know, a, 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 an extra secondary position. And and I do think that, the, and we talked about this heading into the season, the secondary is the strength of the Calgary Stampeders. You know, Deshaun Amos is a hell of a player. Raheem Wilson is a great player. Uh, Royce Mech- Mechie, he's, he's very, very good. Richard Leonard was a big free agent signing by this team. You know, and then you got on the other corner, you got, you know, Moxie and Killing. So I, I don't think their secondary is the issue. But what you need is the defensive line to get a little bit of pressure on the quarterback, because if there's some pressure on the quarterback, you know, that's that's a good thing. And then that opens up the, the, the opportunity for your for your defensive secondary. I think they were hoping it was going to be the other way around that, you know, teams, the secondary is
0: going to be so good that it will give the defensive line time to get pressure on the quarterbacks. We haven't seen that happen yet. No, I think, uh, like you say, Jock, it, w- you can only cover for so long, you yeah. know, especially on a big field like in the CFL. Right. And if Vernon Adams is able to run around all over the place, and your your DBs can cover for you know, you know, five seconds, and then you can only ask them to do so much before a receiver is going to get open, especially with the amount of zone that teams are playing in the CFL these days. I, I look at the running game, you know, this is a big test for the offense or the defensive line for the Stamps because William Stanback, he's mm-hmm. only played one game this year, but he's averaging six point two. yards of carry Uh, he knows how to run the football so it's going to be a massive test for the defensive line for the Calgary Stampeders and I don't know you know with this team Montreal coming in they're fast I haven't seen a ton of speed from the defensive line from the Calgary Stampeders this year which worries me a little bit without the pressures like we say it's pretty tough to cover for for a long amount of time if you're not getting the pressures you're you're not getting you know the the quality production you need out of your secondary something that you know this is a bend that 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 bend but don't break defense so far this year and if it breaks with a backup quarterback in there doesn't look good for me for the Calgary Stampede
1: no and, and of course time of possession is always you know so important in the Canadian Football League or the NFL uh, so you, you'll watch that element tomorrow night and if they can extend those long drives that just puts more pressure on your defense because the defense gets tired you know from that perspective and 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 you know not only do you have Stanbeck you know I, I think Vernon Adams can take off and run with the ball too and that can, that can extend drives so those are things that the
0: defensive line are certainly going to have to be aware of what do you Looking for from the Stamps running game in in this one because it's been so far this year a little stagnant not bad Mm -hmm. Uh, 168 yards through two games that's game one they were good yeah and two not great so So both they're they're averaging 4.4 yards per attempt but I look at it you you talk about Vernon Adams Jr. you talk about the Cody Fajardo's you talk about the Mike Riley's you have to respect those running games not only from the running backs but from the quarterback as well we haven't seen that here. You,
1: Maybe haven't... that's what Jake Mayer can bring to the table. Maybe he can fly around out there. Yes. And, you know, because, I, hey, the one thing I, I, I've seen with Michael O'Connor, he, he is a big pocket style quarterback. So. I don't think he's going to take off and run with the ball. Maybe Jake can add that element and that can add a different dimension to the Calgary stampeder offense. And if that's the case, I I, I'm all in favor of that because I like Kadeem Carey. I think Kadeem Carey had a very, very good training camp for the Calgary stampeters. I do think the stamps running game was pretty good in game one, even though they lost that game. Ante Milanovic, litre, you know, I, I, I think he, from a Canadian perspective can, can really pound and, you know, get that ground game going as well. So, Hey, we're going to see how this uh, this plays out. But, yeah, maybe maybe having a, a more um, agile quarterback in, and maybe that's why they're thinking
0: Jake Mayer is the guy to go, because maybe that's something they can exploit. Well, a lot of speed on that uh, Alouette's defensive line. We know Good Jones, at least of as right now, is questionable uh, on the right side of the line for the Calgary Stampeders. So, you know, maybe we talk to, to Dave Dickinson a little bit later today, and, and then we get the final call on who the starting quarterback's going to be, let's hope, anyways. And uh, we get to know uh, just why uh, he's made up his mind. So uh, we'll see about that. This recording is happening before that uh, media <laughs> availability today. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, Jock, now you had a great chat with Daryl Slade, Stampeder historian. He's got a great new book out. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Daryl, and then we'll throw to that conversation.
1: Daryl is one of the biggest Stampeder fans that I know. He is a historian. Uh, you know, if you want to know anything about this Calgary Stampeder team, Daryl is the guy to talk to. And as I say, he's a collector, and, and he's, written, he's written, I think, four books on the Calgary Stampeders. Book number four is just out. It's at the Stamp Store right now, and it's 1948. 1948... The perfect season for the Calgary Stampeders. We're never going to see a perfect season, I think, in today's Canadian Football League with, you know, a salary cap era. So this team, not only in 1948, went perfect. They won the Grey Cup Championship here, the first ever Grey Cup Championship. That's what the book is about. And yes, I did have a great chat with Daryl. It is a must-have for Calgary Stampeder fans, 1948, the Grey Cup, the undefeated season, the perfect season, the history behind the Grey Cup party. Yes, there's a brand-new book on the market written by longtime Calgary sports writer, Calgary Stampeder, and CFL historian Daryl Slade. And Daryl now joins us on Sports Talk with Jock. Hey, Daryl, thanks so much for your time. Great to talk to you, Jock. How many books is this for you now on the Stampeders? Four. Four books, eh? Wow. And and how has the reaction been?
2: Oh, it's been very positive. Uh, you know, there's the Forty Eight Grey Cup is so famous because of the undefeated season, Calgary's first time ever in a Grey Cup and then winning it. And then uh, what made it so big was the the train they took to Toronto with 250 rabid fans and uh, a little bit of beer and horses, <laughs> chuck wagons, uh, pancake griddles. Uh, you know, uh, bands and everything else, all the way to Toronto for three days and uh, partying there, and then partying back for three days, and and they created what is really the the modern festival uh, for the Grey Cup.
1: So you are a historian. You know, you you obviously are a lifelong fan of the CFL and the Calgary Stampeders. Was this was this a tough book to research?
2: Well, not that bad. I, it started out. I had I, I'm a big collector, so I had some stuff already, and then. Uh, Larry and Patty O'Connor gave me a scrapbook that uh, Ed O'Connor, uh, Larry's dad, had uh, done from Grey Cup in '48 when they traveled there. So that scrapbook just uh, made a world of difference of getting started, and then I've added other things since and been, just been accumulating stuff for at least 10 years and then um, finally felt I had enough to put it together. And as I went on, if I was missing something, I went uh, out to uh, and sought it out.
1: I obviously want people to buy the book, but, but can you give me the genesis? Who, who started the, the big train? How did it all get going?:
2: Well, Calgary had been in the great, uh, in, in the Western Final so many times over the years and always lost. I mean, they lost some heartbreakers. And after they lost uh, a real heartbreaker in 47, went to three games. And, um, and I guess a group of, of uh, businessmen here and a lot of people involved with the Stampede in particular, and oil men, they decided uh, enough is enough. We are tired of living, uh, playing second fiddle to all these other teams, and and they went out and they they spent a lot of money. The the team salary the year before was four thousand eight hundred dollars. In nineteen forty eight, it was eighty five thousand. Wow. Uh, they went out and uh, sought, and they actually went out and got uh, Tom Brook to be the uh, president. He went out and got Les Lear to be the. Um, uh, the coach of the team, and they actually paid Les Lear 8000 a year to be coach, which is far more than the whole team's salary the year before, and he recruited a lot of good players from um, uh, from the States, uh, imports like Keith Spaeth uh, and uh, Chuck Anderson and Woody Strode, and uh, and then he uh, went and out to Vancouver, picked up four guys out from there, including Pete Thotos, who got the winning touchdown in the Grey Cup, then he got a bunch of guys from Winnipeg, that's where Lear, uh, Les Lear was from, so he picked up like Harry Hood and a bunch of people like that, and he really put together a group of uh, veterans and young guys, even like Normie Kwong, who was part of that team that year, and um, and they just blended to well together so well. Uh, he really went on conditioning, and uh, and it showed during the season. They uh, they won uh, five games in the last minute, so they're 12 and 0, but it wasn't an easy 12 and 0. They, but they were so well-conditioned at the end of the game that they were able to uh, just outplay uh, the other team. Mm. Uh,
1: never say never, but, uh, you know, in a salary cap world, I don't know if we'll ever see a perfect season again in the Canadian Football League. What, what's your take on that?
2: I think it would be very difficult because uh, uh, there's so many possibilities that I, uh, to play 18 games and win every game. Now, uh, I just don't know... Uh, if uh, a team could, I mean, if teams have come close, but close is not still not undefeated. And I, I think my, I, I probably, I don't know if there's going to be another undefeated season. It just, it just came together for Calgary that year. And, uh, and there's been some teams close, like Edmonton's had a couple of close ones uh, where they only lost once and another one they lost twice. That's close, but it's not an undefeated, and I, I think we may never see one again.
1: I, I agree with you 100%. You know, the, the actual party on the train, who, who initiated that?
2: Well, uh, there was a guy named Harry McConaughey sort of was taken up as the uh, head of the committee. It was uh, several guys on the committee, a lot of stampede people and oil men people, and they just decided that, uh you know we're going to do it well they had over two weeks from the western final to the great cup to prepare for this they went to canadian uh, canadian uh, pacific railway they got a 15 car train to go out there you know they got a lot of booze and food and all the horses and chuck wagons and everything and uh, and they just said we're going to make this a big one we're we're going to really go to toronto and show them what the west is all about and uh three days on the train down there and a, a really a. People just enjoyed themselves so much. It was a trip of a lifetime, really. And then uh, the players had actually flown to the game ahead of time before the train came. And uh, and then they all actually came back together, the players with all the fans and everything, on a three-day trip back. So was, <laughs> you can imagine there was a after the win there was a lot of partying.
1: Oh yes. Now now did they actually throw some horses on the train too, or did they just you know get a couple of horses when they went when they went to Toronto?
2: The Bill Heron and uh, people like that—they took a dozen horses from Calgary and <laughs> a, a, at least a couple of chuck wagons, and uh, and then of course they had a lot of hay and everything else, and uh, and then uh, they took pancake griddles, and of course they had the <laughs> old pancake breakfast there in Toronto. I mean, they—they they, was very—they didn't uh, spare any expense really. They spent a a lot of money on this, and they were going to make it a big party, and uh, and the people that got tickets for the train, there was even seventy people, one on a. Uh, flight out there too so i mean they they didn't waste any money and people were so eager for a, a team to be in the great cup and to win and uh, and just have a great party that we've never had before and and it kind of set the stage for what uh has happened again in the last 70 years
1: daryl uh you are a collector and i'm curious what's what sort of collectibles do you have from that 48 season now now i'm sure you've got some pictures in the in the
2: book well out of these scrapbooks, the one from the O'Connors, plus a number of other scrapbooks I have, I mean, uh, I picked up a, a, the program for the game was just a sheet of paper, but it took me 20 years to find one. And, uh, and, so the, and I got programs from every regular season game, the Western Final and everything. I got all kinds of photographs, um, no original equipment or anything like that. I don't even think anything exists anymore. It was probably worn out so badly. They didn't use... Uh, a jersey every game or every year like now they wore them for until they shredded i mean so there's nothing that survived that i know of and uh, mm. so those are hard to come by but i've got a button that was uh i've never seen another one uh, that they had for uh for that year i guess and for all kinds of things all the programs from their dinners and their christmas card and um, things like that i mean there Very there are cool. a number of things that you can get and uh, i picked up a belt buckle that was given to them a couple of years ago and they're very, very rare, and they're just they're, there are a few things out there, but they are very scarce.
1: Uh, how did you become such such a passionate fan slash historian slash collector?
2: Uh, I got my training in Saskatchewan. <laughs> 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 well, in, in 1976 Western final, a friend of mine and a couple other guys. Uh, one friend had had a got his pilot's license, and so. He said uh, we weren't going to go to the Westerns final. He says, why well, don't we just take a plane, we'll fly to Orion, we'll get a um, hotel room, and we'll watch the game and then come back. So we we flew to Orion, got a hotel room, got some Coke and pizza, watched the game, and flew back to uh, to Saskatoon. So my roots of passion at CFL started there and just continued on when I moved here.
1: Okay, i, I got to ask you, how, how many pieces of memorabilia do you have uh, in your collection right now? C- can you put a number on it?
2: Well, I have uh, basically a, a program from every Stampede or home game plus a lot of road games. I'd say there's well over a 1,000 different ones there. Wow. Plus, uh, uh, I have an undisclosed amount of game jerseys that I get from George Hopkins in the store and everything <laughs> over the years, probably a couple hundred anyway. <laughs> have 40 or 50 helmets. I mean, there's uh, a lot of stuff.
1: My goodness, how do you insure something like that? You know, your insurance agent must, uh, you know, go, I can't insure this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Not very much. You can't do very much with it. <laughs> oh,
1: that's uh, that, That's that's a great story. So the most important thing, Daryl, Stampeter fans want the book. They want to relive the past. They want to relive that 1948 season. Uh, h- how does one get a copy of the book?
2: Well, it's now at the stamp store. I haven't okay. decided about uh, other bookstores, uh, but that's where it is right now. And if it proves to be popular there and successful then we'll i'll look at going further but otherwise i'll keep stocking the stamp store and i i will sell it directly to people out of town if they want uh, guys a lot of people on twitter have asked me about it and uh, so i've said yeah just exchange uh addresses and so on and um uh, and then i'll get them to them and uh so they're i mean i'm on my own, so I'm not very sophisticated when it comes to marketing
1: <laughs> no and and I understand that and and again you know you, you want to at least break even on the project but you're you're the publisher you're the writer you're the uh, the researcher you, you basically do it all I, I think you got a, you got a printer though to help you out right
2: oh yes I've got a really good printer uh, copy repro downtown they've been <laughs> working for me for years and uh, and they do a fantastic job and uh, works very well with me and uh, and it, it works out great. Uh, so I mean, I'd rather go that route than a full publisher.
1: Out of all your uh, memorabilia, what's uh, did you have? do you, you have one piece that really stands out for you know? If, if I had to ask you, what's what's your top piece of memorabilia? What is it?
2: Uh, I would say the one I like the most is one I got from Harry Langford, who played back in the fifties. He's in the Wall of Fame. He they had a training camp at um, Nelson, BC, and it's a uh, it's a like a, a pennant but it's made out of, uh, like t- can- uh, tent canvas. And it's about six and a half feet by three feet. And it's got original artwork of the horse, uh, in front of the football, that original logo. And I believe it's the first piece of, um, any kind of, uh, material or program or anything that actually has that on it. Cause it re- 56 was the first year they used that logo. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, and I just, uh, think it's the greatest thing, but I got it from Harry Langford and, uh, and I think that's my favorite of all items. Well, I tell oh, you yeah, what. One other one. Yeah, I, have, oh. I do have uh, Dwayne Johnson's jersey from Oh, do you? But do you I have the white one. George Hopkins has the red one. So.
1: <laughs> you got you got the Rocks jersey. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> wonder what that would be worth right now.
2: I don't know, but I've had <laughs> a lot of family members that want it.
1: Daryl, uh, thanks so much for your time. Good luck with your book. And again, if Stampeder fans want a copy,
0: the stamp store is probably the best place to get it
2: yeah for right now yeah that's great
0: that was a great chat between uh, Jock and Daryl hopefully you can get down to the stamp store and pick up that book as Jock said uh, Daryl is a great historian we've talked to him several times on Sports Talk and he is awesome hey that's all for us today folks thanks so much for listening the Calgary Peters podcast is brought to you by Valentine Volvo and Volvo Cars Royal Oak and as always if you like what you're hearing let people know about it you can find the Calgary Peter podcast on Apple, Spotify or wherever you find your favorite podcasts our next episode is after the Labor Day game on September 9th. We will chat with you then.